All right, welcome to Equal Time Soccer. I'm Matt Pravratsky alongside Gopher Soccer captain, Delaney Stecker. Laney, congratulations on the armband. Congratulations on being the leading scorer on the team right now, which is just like center back doing it all. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, one goal is really just doing a lot right now, but thanks for having me. But you know what? That's what, on this team, that's where a center back can be the leading scorer. On this, like, shutouts, lean goal scoring, then you can come in and hit your PK. Well, we will we will get into all of this, of course. Lainey, I've already talked to you multiple times post-game, so you've already had to respond to this, but let's pretend that people who are watching this Friday happy hour show have not watched every single video I've ever tweeted. You are, you know, you're coming in, you're the only returning starter on the back line after a really sort of terrible injury to Elena Dressley, who I already told her, I hope there's some random master's degree she's already committed to doing so she can stay another couple of years. She's going to be like an elementary teacher or something. So do it, get, get up the steps first. I know all about the teacher salary. Get up your steps, Elena. We need you to stick around. We desperately need you. So as a result, you are the only returning player of those back four. You also have Megan Plashko, who was the primary starter in goal last year. So a couple of uh, a couple of returners overall. But for you coming back as a center back, who's already sort of tasked with organizing that back line, what have you tried to focus on most to try and just like get the back line up and running and get comfortable and sort of get those reps while also not giving away, you know, goals, you have three shutouts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think a big part of that has been just how receptive, like all the new players have been. I talked to you about it last night, but everybody that has either changed positions or he came in, it's just been everybody wanting to learn and asking each other questions, like trying to get better. And I think that, just that willingness to learn has made everything so easy. And I think just what I've tried to do is just kind of give everybody like a calm sense a little bit, like making sure like everybody's like feeling all right about what they're doing and like knowing that even if they do mess up, like they have people who can cover them and we have Poshko behind us who's bound to make some crazy saves this year. So it's just been a lot of like relying on each other and knowing that even if we do mess up, as long as we're covering each other, we're still going to be really tough to score on. Right. Even if we're all screaming at each other about who to cover, then underneath that at a calming attitude is what you're saying. Yes. Yes, definitely. <laughs> like an after the fact, for sure. Like, okay, it's all right. We got through it. But, yeah. I Well, and I think one of the bigger losses from last season for the entire team was your center back partner, Athena Kuhn, who... I think she she got third team all Big Ten. I I don't know where I would have placed her, but probably higher. I mean, she for for the team last spring, she you know she yeah. essentially seemed like an All American. Like she was everywhere. She played so so good, mm -hmm. and she's now down in LSU for her COVID year of eligibility. But now Delaney, you're big time. You're a captain. You are taking PKs. You are the co leading scorer. And you are making appearances on very popular women's soccer shows like this one. So you're you're the big timer <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, definitely. But so much of that backline work is really about sort of a cohesive relationship between those center backs and then also with the outside backs. And so what did you what was sort of the one of the things you relied on Athena most that now you're sort of adapting to with a new crew, if you know what I mean? Like what was what were some of those things that you especially had to make up for or pivot from? compared to playing next to her all last season? 
I think the main thing, I love playing with Athena because we read each other really well. So it wasn't necessarily that we were talking to each other a bunch, but I just, for the most part, I knew what she was going to do. And I knew what I needed to do in response to that. And I think like her ability to like step with somebody coming off of our line and just like strip them of the ball was like kind of crazy. And she would just like take off on the dribble. Like she's one of the best players I've ever played with. But I think that kind of that attacking presence that we've we've missed a little bit coming out of the back or at least coming out of center backs like we've been a little bit more conservative and I think I mean obviously she's playing a different position now but I think she scored like three or four goals already this year for LSU so she's just been kicking butt right well and I think it's you you mentioned you know center backs can be called to do different things. I mean, like she can be someone who could charge forward, which makes sense because even early in her gopher career, she was a central midfielder, you know, holding mid, whatever. And so she claims that space the same way sort of Abby right next to you, you Mm -hmm. know, claims that attacking space as sort of a natural attacker. But I went back all the way to the announcement of your recruiting class. And even way back then, you know, then head coach Steph Galan was talking about your ability to play the ball over the top. And the, so even before you were here, that was what, you know, the coaching staff was talking about you in terms of what you could bring or one of the things you could bring. Mm-hmm. And especially since last spring, that has been just super, super evident. I think there were some games where you were dropping just like 10 attempts over the top, but especially I think you've been taking those super long free kicks where you're getting all the way from midfield, like into the six yard box. And so I guess my question is, how the hell did you let Kenna Beisman beat you in that field goal kicking contest when you are showing like so much ability? Well, my problem is, I don't know. Honestly, I thought I was going to win. I thought I had a pretty good chance. But I think that like having Corey hold the football, I oh. just like thought too much about it and it just didn't go very well. I was more like line driving it instead of like actually trying to get it in the air. And I just, it wasn't working too well. Wait a, wait a sec. Corey didn't do the thing that football players do where he put it on his toe. Did he? No, he had his, he had his finger okay. on it. Okay. But okay. I just was like, if I kick, if I break his finger, that's probably not going to be great. <laughs> and then I also just like, didn't really know how to kick a football. So well, and for those for those who don't know, this this was like during the COVID fall. So when yeah, the season yeah. was not happening, I got, you know, I got uh, secretly sent footage of Kenna's winning field goal. You all were in like Halloween costumes yeah. and doing mm-hmm. a field goal kicking contest. And Kenna Beisman won. I love that you all did that, though. That's such a fun, because frankly, every soccer player always thinks they can be a kicker. It's, uh, of course they do. And so I love that. Yeah, no. But you're, but especially did, I mean, I don't remember because really early on when you were getting minutes, you know, you played outside back a little bit, you played some spot minutes at center back your sophomore year, but those were not times where you were given the opportunity to sort of be aggressive and be proactive and sending those big balls. But were you always doing that in training or was that just something you sort of had when you were sort of a, a big time youth and high school player, and then you had to unleash again by the time you were sort of cut loose a little bit as a starting center back? Um, no, I think I've like, like throughout training, like you said, I have always been able to like strike a ball pretty well. So I think it's just, um, just different positions or like you, you're right. able to do different stuff. So I think it's just a little easier to have the time to hit those balls at center back. But I think, I don't think it ever like, went away like it was always something I could do in training right right well and I and I think 
one one thing I'm also really curious because I think uh there's there's not a ton of like outside um, discussion about the team. And so I think sometimes when like my biases about a player get like locked in, I feel like it almost like erases other parts of your game that I just don't notice. So are there parts of your game that you're really proud of that maybe me or other followers or even frankly the coaching staff like maybe don't appreciate, but stuff that you're really proud that you're able to do consistently? Um, I think maybe something that I've like definitely grown in in college like throughout college has just been my ability to like read service I think it's something I'm still working on for sure but I think that like throughout college especially like starting at outside back it's a little bit tougher to read that weak side ball so that kind of helped me when I like shifted into center back to be able to read that but I think just knowing when to drop and like when to step has been something that I've been growing in but like I said, still always room to improve. Yeah. Well, especially when it's these big, big balls. I mean, like sometimes I love when it's like, it's bonkers to me when like a goal, a goalkeeper on the opposing team will take a goal kick or a punt. And I hear the coaching staff say like, no bounce, no bounce. And I'm like, mm-hmm. wait, are these like when players had those balls out of the air, it still like hurts my neck to like look at that. <laughs> if, so if you hurt. had it right, it doesn't hurt. But That's yeah. True. Well, and you, you've shown a real willingness. Like I've said, I've phrased it a few times this way. This team is pretty light in the air, or at least last year they were pretty, like there's not a ton of players who are aerial threats. And you, not by default, but I think because you're so willing, mm-hmm. like last year were probably both one of the best service players, but also one of the best heading players because you will just go in and just hammer it, which is, which is not crazy for a center back, but I think you maybe don't fit. I don't think like the big, tall aerial threat center. No, back. Yeah. Right. I'm not the tallest girl. Around. Right. But that willingness, have you always had that? Or is that something you had to sort of grow into to make sure you could sort of battle in that space? No, that's something I've always had. Like it was a little bit of a problem when I was younger. Like I would just like throw my body into anything because I I just didn't really think before I did stuff and I used to have coaches say like like calm down a little bit because I would just like I, I don't know I've gotten better about like not throwing myself into like scary challenges but right yeah I've always been like just willing to go for it I think right <laughs> well and actually oh actually one more thing especially about like the back line as a whole I've been super curious about how you all are trying to decide sort of how how high you put your line because I think one thing I've started to notice just a few games in is the team as a whole is pretty far back, right? Like you're not, you're not risking a very high line. You're not running a high press, but sometimes the forward line works high to try and create some pressure, but then the rest of the team is a little bit back. And I think it sort of contributes to that gap in the midfield where Aaron has said a number of times, like we want to do more in the midfield, want to do more in the midfield. And I'm sure there are 15 different ways to improve that, but that was one where I just noticed sort of a big gap, but, is that one thing where it's sort of like we want to be conservative, we want to figure out our comfort level of sort of how we hold this line. We need to com- learn how to communicate with each other. And then is it a thing where you'll push maybe higher as you get more comfortable sort of communicating as a unit, like up, 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 or, you know, whatever signal you have? Um, I think starting with like the forwards being high, like that's probably that's a problem on our end because like once when the forwards step to go like everybody behind them is supposed to be going with them. Right. So right. like once they start that high press, we need to be closing the space in behind. But I think mm-hmm. the line in general is we're more just trying to read service more than necessarily like 
we don't say like we're going to hold a really low line or we're going to hold a really high line. It's more right. just judging like conditions. Like if it's really wet or if we're playing on turf and the ball can bounce mm-hmm. more, it's going to go faster. We'll probably sit a little bit deeper, but right. I wouldn't say like we're like hard and fast. We're going to hold a lower line or a higher line. Right. Well, and I suppose, and I mean, to be, to be fair and to be like kind of blunt, like you don't, one of the things you lose by losing Athena is also like maybe just like a raw athlete back there. Mm-hmm. And just yeah, like, the, yeah, not as pacey. Like she was probably one of the, she was the fastest person on our team last year and having her in the back was just like, right. A, like a little bit of a safety valve. Like we always yeah. knew she could chase somebody down. Yeah. And to, well, to have someone with that kind of speed at center back is like such a cheat code. Like it's so nuts yeah. to do that. Um, so it's, I think it's normal what you're talking about, which is like, we have the midfield needs to read the forwards. We need to read the midfield. We need to move as a unit. And it's, it's understandable only three games in. That's not like precisely like military perfect. Definitely yet. still figuring it out. Yeah. And I think one of the things I've always been super curious about, especially for players like you who come in, you know, highly touted, like accomplished youth player, all those things, you, you commit at least verbally, like, pretty early and I don't we've never actually talked about I don't think like when exactly you committed but like players of your caliber end up committing and then there's this gap where in my mind I think of you guys like imagining what the experience is like because you commit but then there's this like gap where you're just still playing club still playing youth but you have this idea in your head of like when I get there I could do x y and z I could come in and play or even if you're dooming and glooming yourself like you're still like imagining how it will go for you. What's it been like for you to sort of live this version of your career compared to those like imaginations you had about this is what it will mean when I go power five and I go play college and all those things. Like, has it been like, has it been crazy to see those be different or, you know what I mean? Like it's so hard to predict what your career is going to be like. And for you guys who are such high flyers, I imagine like the trying to adapt to that is just so funny. Yeah. I mean, I think when I committed, it was definitely like I, the, the recruiting process was like pretty stressful because I mean, I was taking visits when I was 14. I couldn't even drive like I, I was pretty stressed. And I think like after I committed, it was just like a little bit of a weight off my shoulders. And I wouldn't say I was necessarily like thinking so much about like what I would do in college, but it was more so like, how much better can I get like within the years that I'm like going into it. And I remember watching games and I remember watching like Tori and watching Petey. And I was like, how cool would it be to like be able to like play with Petey and like practice with her? Like, I just remember like, it was more of like a, like excitement than uh, trying to think about like what my career was going to look like. Cause I, that really wasn't really where my head was at. Right. Well, and I suppose, like you said, it's kind of like a, it's that immediate relief from being able to at least just like chill for a second. Mm-hmm. And then also, yeah, you're like, well, I need to keep working because I'm going to have mm-hmm. to play with these players that I'm watching on TV. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. It was funny. I remember so Meredith Hawkinson did a show with Mark and, you know, she's a Minnesotan who ended up playing at Michigan. Mm-hmm. She said as a high school freshman, she and her parents did a process where she had to break down all 20 of her top 20 school choices. And when I heard her say that, I like got stressed for her, even though mm-hmm. that was like eight years ago, even for her. <laughs> yeah. It's, it un- crazy. it's unreal. It's unreal. 
Okay, well, let's and let's pivot a little bit. One thing I've been super impressed with you, um, Lainey, is your willingness to jump in. And you're a political nerd. We've grabbed coffee before. I like selfishly hope we can steal you away from Minnesota and like keep you here. You're from Nebraska. I'm hoping we can keep a very cool person here who's like politically interested or you know interested in policy. But you know, I know during the election, um, during the 2020 election, you were you know part of helping get the team like registered, making sure that we're voting, all that kind of stuff, um, being vocal about social justice, all that stuff. I I think you and I both grew up in spaces that were pretty damn white. Like shout shout out to Northern Minnesota and Nebraska, baby. Yeah. And, and I know for me, it really like it takes intentional work or it has taken intentional work to try and like build up my ability to be a good ally and to be a good um, accomplice for, you know, friends of color, colleagues of color, let alone like a locker room, like with teammates of color um, where it's just like, there's so much, you all are such a family. And so mm -hmm. figuring out how to grow that skill set and become that, you know, good, good teammate for them. And women's soccer is also, I mean, at times, pretty overly white and even culturally, if not politically, kind of conservative. So, I mean, what's that journey been like for you in terms of trying to both grow individually, but then figure out your role on a team where, how do I make sure that these teammates like feel like they're being supported and represented? And then how do I demonstrate a good way to support, you know, my fellow teammates and all that? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing I'll say is like, I am still learning, like I, there's so much more that I can be and should be doing. So it's definitely like a progress thing. Like you said, like it wasn't really something that I actively like experienced growing up. Like there wasn't there. I mean, at least I think I was probably oblivious to a lot of it growing up if there was anything going on. So I think that college really opened my eyes in both like a personal relationships way, but also the classes that I took where I got to learn about like either like history of oppression or like politics. I took a, a lot of really cool classes through um, the U that just kind of helped me like broaden my perspectives and kind of get like right. an anchor on like a backup basically to like why I feel the way I feel and like to be able to kind of articulate things right. better to people, like especially my family or like people back home who maybe like we have differing views at this point. I think that right. I've been able to have like a lot better conversations because I've taken like academic setting classes and been able to learn a little mm -hmm. bit more that way. Right. Well, and even for you, I mean, I think to be honest, the, so for folks who maybe watch the broadcast and don't necessarily go to games physically at ELR, they might not notice this because the national anthem is not broadcast. Like, I think that was probably a decision that was made, you know, by the big 10 or whatever, or, you know, pro sports are doing this too. Like they're just trying to like, <laughs> for lack of a better phrase, like kind of hide from kneeling now, like they don't want to deal with it. So for those who don't follow, and I don't post about this either, so I guess it's partially maybe my fault, but there actually is a pretty noticeable difference just from last spring to this fall. So last spring, essentially the entire team and staff were kneeling, except for maybe one or two players. Um, and then this fall, it's sort of the opposite. There's maybe about very roughly about a third of the team and staff who kneel. And then, you know, vast majority are are standing now. And that's just between, you know, April and August. So it's like they're, the world has not changed that much in that time. But for, I mean, but for you, I mean, has that, has that change been noticeable, like to folks like you who are still kneeling and trying to be, 
you know, standing up for racial justice and other, even like, for instance, even like black teammates on that team, has that been noticeable to you all? Or is it something where, you know, I'm sure it's also a little bit sensitive of how you sort of broach those topics when you're all trying to build the dynamic too, but I'm assuming it's noticeable because, you know, there's hundreds of people in the stand seeing it too. So it's not exactly hidden. Yeah, I would say, I would say it's noticeable, but I think um, our team is very open and close with each other. I think that regardless of people's decisions, like I believe and know that like the people on my team who are choosing to stand or kneel are doing it with the best intentions and are trying to respect each other. So I don't think that it's, it hasn't been like an issue or anything. I think that we're all very respectful of each other. And last season we had like a very open dialogue about it and it was really helpful. Um, I think everybody's just trying to support each other in their own ways and it Mm -hmm. looks different for different people. Right. Well, and I think it's worth noting too, I mean, not to be like way too callous about it, but all of you are also super young. So I'm glad you're still being really open with those folks who are frankly in a stage of life where they're learning and growing a lot every day. You know, like it's, Mm -hmm. it's different when you're interacting with someone who's like later in life. And so like dug in, I really appreciate that folks like you and really all of us should be like open with folks and trying to help them on that journey too. Like you said, no one, none of us is perfect. So I appreciate that. I appreciate that's the positioning you're taking with it. Um, And so this team, I don't think, so one thing that I mentioned on the broadcast and mentioned casually once in a while, the COVID year of eligibility I mentioned um, earlier in, um, in regards to Athena heading down LSU, that year of extra eligibility because of players having to live through a very, very cool global pandemic that is still happening right now, um, mm-hmm. hasn't necessarily benefited the Gophers as much as maybe other teams that have, you know, multiple fifth-year starters returning and sort of not losing, like, any big-time players or whatever, um, with mm-hmm. a notable exception in Minnesota of, you know, Ken's Langdock heading heading to right back, which is sort of a coup for the team, frankly. Like, she's looked so good back there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But, but we only have one of those players. Other teams really have a lot for, and I think people lose track of the fact that all the younger players who were here during last season also get that extra year. So for you as a player who's technically, you know, eligibility wise, a senior this fall, how are you thinking about that? You know, do you have a set mind frame in terms of, are you going to come back or, or when you want to decide and what's the vibe been like in the team with that? Um, I'm not sure. I'm definitely open to anything. It hasn't been a conversation that we've had specifically. I think that um, people, I, I know that at least I can speak for my class that we're all pretty big fans of Aaron. So I yeah. think, I, I think that just see, seeing how this season goes, but um, I'm right. not sure. I think COVID year will be really interesting and exciting for people, but I'm not sure how it'll pan out for everybody. Right. Well, let me just speak for the entire fan base in the state of Minnesota in saying the roster is very lean right now, like overall numbers wise. And so um, I've just, I just got a text from Erin. She officially told me I have the authority to offer fifth year scholarships to players. She just told me that that in my tech, in my phone. And so I would say it would be great to have you back. So I'm, I'm going to recruit you for the program and and just, make sure you and Elena come back on that back line that we we keep the rest of the seniors around too. So just don't make us deal with any heartbreak of losing any of you. I'm just going to offer that on behalf of Erin. I'm sure she'll be psyched about that. I'm sure she'll yeah, be psyched about I'm that. I'm sure, I'm sure. Um, 
So let's go, let's go back for a second to late May or whenever it was you first heard about Steph, you know, Steph Galan, the coach who recruited you, who you played under for multiple seasons. You found out she's leaving. What was the first, you know, what were the first thoughts that went through your head? And what was it like for the team back then? Because you just mentioned new head coach Aaron Chastain, who folks are, I'm sure, are familiar with by now, but it's easy to forget like how bonkers it was back in May, June, where I think. I, I won't speak for you, but I know a lot of players were sort of like, whoa, like this, this shakes my whole life. So talk about what it was like for you personally and sort of what the vibe was with the team. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think probably for the other players too, it kind of came out of nowhere. I wasn't, um, for obvious reasons, she couldn't really tell us that she was mm-hmm. applying for another job and all that stuff. But I think that it set Steph up to be in a really good position with her family. And I think that, mm-hmm it just, it made a lot of sense for her. I think it was a little stressful thinking, especially I remember talking to my class about like, oh my gosh, what if we get like a coach who hates us and just benches the whole thing? Like we were like, well, can't, we were like, can they just kick us off if a new coach comes in? We didn't know how anything worked. So we were pretty stressed out. I mean, we were happy for stuff. It sounded like it was really where she wanted to end up. And so that was awesome. But we were, um, we were bummed to lose her and a little bit stressed about what the future would look like. Right. I, it's it's so funny to think about. I mean, it's relatable. Like plenty of people do worst case scenario planning, but it's so funny to me to think of you all being like, are we all going to get cut? Like it's. Yeah. I mean, we had no idea how it worked. We were like, we don't want to ask this because we know it's probably going to sound crazy, but like, can, what can, what can a new coach do? Like we had no idea. We were like, are they going to bring in a bunch of transfers? Right. Well, and it's, and it was such a crazy time of the year. I mean, even when I did my first show with Aaron in, was it late June? I'm forgetting now, late June, I think I asked her sort of just because I had to ask her, but I sort of assumed the door was closed. I was like, are you planning on trying to bring in any transfers still? And she didn't close the door on trying to bring in transfers, which was nuts because logistically it's just almost impossible to bring in transfers that late. It's because people forget about the fact that the student has to apply to the university, get accepted. So a player would have had to already applied and got accepted sort of speculatively. Mm -hmm. And then in the pipeline, because it's, so it's so funny, but yeah, I, I think it's also, I've heard from a lot of players since then that are really excited about Aaron being a coach. As you said, you know, a lot of players are really excited about, about what she's bringing to the team. I've heard it phrased as, you know, the team feels really energized or, you know, I mean, it's a lot of flowery, shiny language, but to me, it all seems very rooted in reality as well. And, you know, obviously every team has, has other non-shiny stuff like off-field junk they have to deal with, you know, everyone's actual real lives aside from soccer but in general what are some of the things that you think Aaron has done that really resonate with the team you know like when we when you say a lot of the girls just really like playing for her you know bring us inside sort of what that looks like for you as a player what are some of those things she does that really have um, made an impact I think one of my favorite things about playing for Aaron is just she's very direct um Hmm. And I mean, she said that before she even coached us, like in meetings before, she's like, I'm a very direct coach. Like, I'm going to be tough on you guys. But the way that she approaches it is not in a trying to belittle us or trying to make us feel bad. It's just like, hey, you did this wrong. Here's how you fix it. And it's very straight up. It's just, and she also uses a lot of film where it's very easy to tell, like, this Mm. is what you should have done. Here's how we can correct it. And she's very um, upfront about like how she feels about how we did or how we're doing and how we can fix it. And I think that 
girls just really appreciate that because I think sometimes in women's sports in general, but specifically at least my my experience in women's soccer has been sometimes it's a little bit trying to like put like some frosting on it, trying to make things like sweeter. And it's like, I think that the team just appreciates hearing exactly how right. things are, how to fix it and like where we stand. And I think that it's been awesome. And she's also pretty funny. So that's, yeah, that's been, it's been fun. <laughs> well, I think, and it's, and I think you sort of hinted at it there. I think the reason people appreciate directness and, um, and honesty, even if it's in the face of criticism or, you know, like telling you to do something better is that the flip side is like uncertainty and like the unknown. Mm -hmm. And so it's this thing where you'll take the, you'll take the, like the devil, you know, versus the one you don't know, at least if I'm being shown what she's talking about and she's saying yeah. it. And it's, yeah. It's never in like, a, it's never in a negative way or trying right. to like make people feel bad. It's just like, Hey, here's how we're going to get better. Right. Well, and frankly, now you mentioning that she's just really funny. We're going to have to, I'm going to have to like hear some of this material. You're going to have to give me some of these, like, You'll have to have her on. I'm not going to give away any of her. <laughs> well, and is it, I suppose, for you all, like, coming in, I mean, you all met her that initial time when she gets hired. You kind of have a team meeting. But then was there a gap of, like, truly nothing between then and training camp? Or was it just that she could only be sort of, like, messaging you, but you're not really training? We had, um, we met with her, uh, I think, one or two other times. But also that time she was, trying to recruit she was trying to get moved here so like her schedule was crazy but she was in contact with us and she was also in contact with the rest of the staff who was then in contact with all of us so it definitely wasn't like a silence by any means right right right. yeah i yeah i i mean i think it's i said this numerous times during the coaching search as you mentioned you know steph moving on to mizzou was a really good fit for her family and frankly i just think in general change can be very positive for all parties involved. It can be very energizing or at least freeing or whatever, or it can add sort of intrigue and excitement and all these things. And so I was, I think from the start, I viewed this as a very unique opportunity sort of for Steph and for the program. And I think the team has also ended up feeling that way. I just think it's, it's ended up being, and frankly for Aaron, I mean, Aaron was leading DePaul for 14 years. I mean, that's a really long time yeah. to be leading a program. Think of how many iterations of that team she had. That's crazy. All right, Lainey, it is time to jump into everyone's favorite segment. And by everyone's, I mean mine. And that is, that is the internet said it. And here we go. We're going to jump right in. The first one we're going to jump right in. The internet said that you play second in the 2018 entertainment review writing category of the state journalism championships. Is this true? Yes. And my little all girls high school also won state journalism that year. So it was a pretty big deal. Yeah. Go Marion. Hi. Yes. Yeah. What's, what's the, what's the mascot? So I can really jump in. Crusaders. Go Crusaders. Of course mm -hmm. it is. Cat mm -hmm. Catholic high school. Of course it's the Crusaders. Let's mm -hmm. leave it to the Crusaders, yep. baby. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think my main question is, what was the review you wrote? So the way state journalism in Nebraska works, you they put you in a room and you like write it live. So you get like yep. 30 minutes to write um, whatever it is. So they, I think they played like a song 
and we like all of us were in a room and we just had to like review the song so I don't really I don't remember what it was I just like had to like critique the music and I know nothing about music so I was really winging it you don't remember the song you critiqued? No, I was like just trying to like write. I was like trying to remember the words of the song. It was pretty stressful. We only had like, <laughs> I think it was like 25 minutes. So we are, as, as I've said, there's no bigger fan of, of nerds on this soccer team than me. You are in that club. Elizabeth Overberg is in that club. I I can't remember. Is, is Lauren Donovan, is she like a political nerd i forget or like a, com a communications nerd i forget but the yeah she's communications yeah okay so we'll find a way to drag her into this too but we'll have a, we'll have a crew but you so this sounds like extent speaking and speech where you get a question and you have 45 minutes to write a speech and then you have to give it the difference is this is just writing yeah, but i yeah. i did do that in high school but respect to you second place and state journalism championships minnesota does not have that i don't think minnesota oh, has we got this. like a big trophy it was pretty yeah. cool. Respect, respect to you. And speaking of your journalism chops, the internet said you had a storied career at the network, which is oh. Marion High School student newspaper. Is this true, Lane? Yes, yes. We got to name our like the yearly like edition of it. So ours was "It's Always Sunny in Marion." Um, <laughs> I, I was. I love uh, that. I was the copy editor and I loved it so much. It was so much fun. As you said in the promo tweet I sent of you, the internet does live forever. Mm -hmm. I've, never, I've never been more happy that my oh. high school activities were not online. Mm -hmm. We are not going to go too deep in because I want you to still be willing to come back <laughs> when you come back next year as a super senior. But there are a lot of great hits in your mm -hmm. high school we are we're gonna start off we're not gonna go right to the best stuff we're gonna we're gonna jump in right now because you are a captain you have had to help a lot of your young teammates adapt to the college environment and in high school you had to do a similar thing you had a piece called tips for a successful sophomore year i don't know if you remember this do you I remember, don't. do you, can you take a crack at what any of your tips would have been to have a successful sophomore year in high school because a lot of them, I would say a lot of them are actually good for college as well. Do your homework a day early? I have no idea. Well, that does sound like you. It, uh, You did say write down all your assignments in a planner. Because yeah. even when you have no homework, it's satisfying to cross them off, which is true. That is the mm -hmm. value of a to-do list. Mm -hmm. Number one, which I think this is really important. This is actually for all adults. So this is tips for a successful year, no matter what year. Go to bed at a decent hour, which I love the phrase decent hour, and then yeah. drink, drink lots of water. Yes, yeah. High That's school, I think I went to bed at like 8.30 every night. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. 8.30? Yeah. Well, I was like, I don't, I don't know how I went to school all day to begin with. Like, I couldn't do that right now, but I would just get home, do my homework. Go to soccer. Go to. You bed. are just. You're a high achiever. We. I can't wait for you to be like running whatever organization I work for eventually. That. But drink lots of water is great. There's a lot of. I love like the memes that say, "Am I depressed or am I just dehydrated?" It's like, get drink some water. I love it. So I personally find as much as you did a lot of writing, you were obviously a championship quality journalist. Like we literally were. I actually find just as impressive, and we're going to pull it up here, your um, your modeling work. No, for no. I will say I had 
I was not the photo editor, so I didn't get to pick any of these pictures. So at first, here's what oh. we're here. So at first, I thought this was just you winning like the biggest <laughs> winner award. It turns out this was like a column you did about participation trophies and critiquing them or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but I also enjoy knowing that these are your actual trophies. Yes, they are. Mm -hmm. So that's that's good. I enjoy. So that's a good. That's a good enjoyable one. And of course, I have to share the one if folks didn't see the tweet. I I'm honestly, sure they did if they're watching. I but I unironically very much am obsessed with this picture, which is just this yeah, is Yeah, nope, not great. Not great at all. This was I think the picture for was it Laney's on her last straw or like last leg or something it like that. It was something it was some stupid opinion article about like it wasn't even like necessarily my article we were in our journalism class and we were just like being teenage girls and talking about things that people do that really annoy us oh, and then we were like we need to fill we like we have an opinion column we need to write and so we just like turned it into an article i think i already told you this before the show because i sent it to you and apologized for sharing it <laughs> This this could be the cover of like a girl trying to have it all book or oh, yeah, or, my or like, polo is good too. Or like girl trying to have it all movie. This could work now. I don't know about that. I think it should <laughs> go to bed. We are going to we are going to see if I'm gonna check in with some teammates about this and we'll take this down because you're being a good sport. So I don't want to make you leave the show. <laughs> but that is really great. So that 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 was the last. I'm not going to show any more pictures of you, Delaney. Well, Laney, thanks so much for being here. The Gophers have started off really strong, even though every game you've been in has been such a grind. There's there's no greater wish I have for all of you than to win a multi-goal win, like to mm -hmm. to just have some have some stress relief because in Drake yes. Drake yesterday, I was stressed for you the whole time. I can only imagine how stressed you all were. But eventually you all will get a multi-goal win. You are 2-0-1. You have three clean sheets helping to lead that back line. Uh, congratulations on this on this fall coming in. Uh, yeah, anything else we haven't hit on that you want to you wanna hit, Lainey? No, I think I'm really excited for the season. I got a bunch of awesome teammates. I think that the chemistry of this team is like one of the better teams that I've been on. And I think I'm just really excited to see things kind of finally start to click. And I guess I there's no way I can leave this show without giving a shout out to the Grays. Yes. Who, yes. Who created this wonderful Iowa Tour t-shirt. The Gophers have two games in Iowa this season against Drake yesterday, which by the way, props to you for doing the show because you got home at like 2 a.m. or something. And then against University of Iowa later in the Big Ten season. And so no one loves a fake branded tour more than me. I created the Utah Cup, I think maybe your freshman year. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. And so this is thank you so much to the Grays, all the Iowa families, the uh, Taryn Reitzma's uh, family, Elizabeth Overberg's family. Um, it is go Iowa, huge Iowa <laughs> fan now. Um, and thanks so much for being here, Lainey. This was great. Yeah, thanks for having me.